your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a man. Is it Tuesday? Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914 is the text line. If you have questions for Kim Cable, she's on the Lacrosse County Board. She's been on the board since 2014. She's currently the vice chair of the Lacrosse County Board. She's also the Housing and Community Services Director at Cooley Cap, one of the entities, I'll say, that is in the city of Lacrosse, or actually the area to, I guess, to help homeless. But hi, Kim. By the way, hi. Hi. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about the uh, homeless. Uh, I, I want to say homeless problem, but I don't like saying it's a problem. It's an issue, homeless uh, dilemma here in in the city of Lacrosse. Uh, but you you work at Cooley Cap. You're on the county board. Um, I don't know. Can you can you explain to me, Kim, what exactly Cooley Cap is and does? Sure. Um, Cooley Cap is a community action program. We're one of sixteen in the state of Wisconsin. Um, community action programs uh, rolled out in 1966 with President Johnson's War on Poverty. So all of the programs and services um, we provide to low-income households who um, need a little bit of a a boost to get self-sufficient. And so we provide programs and services for people who are living in poverty. And how long have you been doing that? Or how long have you been with Cooley Cap, I should say? Uh, Since 2005. (laughs) Okay. Oh, so, yeah, quite a while. and. Um, has it always been, this is kind of, maybe kind of a dumb question, but has it always been a, a big entity in helping people who are unsheltered? Uh, no, in fact, the numbers that we are seeing locally are unprecedented in my time doing this work. Um, we, when I first started at Cooley Camp, we didn't really have any people staying outdoors. Um, we had people in local shelters, but um, yeah, this is, th- I've never seen our numbers so high as they are now. Okay. So in, in the past, maybe, I don't know, a couple of years has Cooley Cap gone, okay, we have to reach out. We have to extend even further and help people that are literally out uh, sleeping in the streets. Oh yeah. We've always done that. We have supportive housing programs that we provide. We have 40 units of housing um, that we can provide people with housing and case management services. And then we have a number of other homeless programs that serve um, a variety of needs. Um, so we have been doing that for a while. We don't do emergency shelter in this community, um, but we do provide some emergency shelter stuff in our rural service areas. So um, we've been doing this as long as I've been with the agency. I guess I guess I, I'm, I misinterpreted. So Cooley Cap's helping people who are unsheltered, but those people that are unsheltered hasn't popped up in as much as it has in recent years. Uh, at, at one point, at some point, there had to have been a year where, wow, we, we actually don't have enough resources to keep everybody indoors all the time, right? Then, then, then people start living on the streets. Well, even if we have open shelter beds, people don't always want to stay in shelters. So um, we have had periods of time, I don't know if you remember back in like 2018 or 2017, when 
There was a tent city north of the International Gardens. At that time, we had room in all of our shelters to provide shelter for everybody who was down at that encampment. And um, sometimes people don't want to come in. So, um, you know, there's, there's choice involved, of course. Um, sometimes people don't necessarily see it as a choice, I don't think. But, um, you know, there's space and shelter sometimes that go unutilized while we still have people on the street. So, um, yes. But um, even now, if we wanted to shelter every person who was outdoors, we currently don't have the shelter space locally to do that. And how long has that been the case? Is it just the last two years, last couple years, or more than that? Um, probably the last two years with COVID um, starting that started to limit shelter space because there were special regulations that shelters had to follow that allowed for social distancing and, and safety measures in place. So at that point, capacity in our local shelters was diminished by um, some safety practices. Um, but prior to that, you know, I think we've typically had room. Uh, in years prior to the, the COVID um, stuff, in our summer point in time count, I think we had about uh, 50 people outdoors. So um, it, it wasn't anywhere near like it is now. Our unsheltered numbers are second only to Green Bay in the state of Wisconsin, with the exception of Dane, Racine, and Milwaukee County. So we're, we are, we're at a crisis proportions here in La Crosse. All right, that's Kim Cable. She's uh, the vice chair of the La Crosse County Board, which has just passed some legislation. I guess you can call it legislation. I, maybe you don't. Um, uh, to, to, to help homeless people. And she's also on uh, the Housing and Community Services Director at Cooley Cap. Uh, we're going to get into the plan at Huska Park, which ends here in less than a week, uh, where homeless people have been staying over the last two seasons, spring and summer, um, uh, deeming Huska Park a campground so that they could stay there without penalty. Uh, we'll get into that. The, the, she just mentioned we have higher numbers than we've ever had before, and highest numbers in the state, you know, barring some outlier counties. Uh, but before that, we got to take a break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Kim Cable, Lacrosse County's vice chair of the board here. Uh, she's been on the county board since 2014. She's also the housing and community services director at Cooley Cap, one of the many entities, one of the many groups that that is in town, in the area, I should say, to combat homelessness. She's going to spend some time with us today. Um Okay, some of these resources, and I, I wrote them all down. So there's the Reach Center, and I think a lot of these groups are in the Reach Center at the YWCA. Catholic Charities, Cooley Cap, Independent Living Resources, New Horizons Shelter and Outreach Service, Salvation Army, YWCA, and uh, the Cooley Collaborative on Homelessness. And I don't think I've forgotten any. We have a lot of groups in town um, combating to, or fighting to end the homelessness, but but you're, you said before the break that we have – the, like there's an overwhelming number of people uh, unsheltered right now, huh? Yes, correct. Um, at our summer count, we had 140 people who were living on the streets of La Crosse. And by streets, I mean, you know, it could be parks or, um, you know, staying under overpasses or whatever. But really, we, we talk about people 
lacking shelter or they're unsheltered. Who's in charge of that count? Is it Cooley Cap or somebody else? Um, it's a collaborative effort between okay. Cooley Cap and a bunch of other agencies that are doing um, good work in our community with homelessness. So, um, you know, Salvation Army Health, Catholic Charity, Independent Living Resources, our neighborhood policing officers. Um, so, yeah, YWCA, um, very collaborative effort to conduct that. We have teams that go out and cover a majority of the county. All right. So, A, how hard is it to do that? And, B, why only once a year? I don't know if you – maybe you do it more than once a year, but I feel like we could do it maybe once every quarter or maybe once a month, but also back to my first question, maybe it's too hard to do that? Well, it does take a lot of coordination. Um, we do it, We do actually do it twice a year. Um, HUD requires us to do it twice a year, so we use the summer midpoint and the winter midpoints as counts, and then that's when um, communities all over the United States are counting people to give a snapshot of what homelessness looks like. So um, we usually have a winter count and a summer count. All right. And, okay, just very, very broadly, like, how hard is it to, I guess, how hard is it to, to talk about the fight on the homelessness? Because, you know, just the phrasing right there, because I want to say fight homelessness, but we're not fighting homelessness, but we kind of are, but fighting to end it. And then, um, because, because everybody's an individual, we talked about individuals a little bit before the break. Uh, you know, some people want help, some people don't want help. Uh, there's, everybody has their own dilemma in, in getting themselves into a situation where they don't have housing. Um, so there's no way, there's no real way to generalize homelessness. And then therefore you, you actually have to, it's hard to talk about and hard to, you know, be compassionate about when there's, you know, so many different aspects of it. Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is, is that we need to get people into shelter um, so that they can get connected with a case manager who can start to tease out what's going on with somebody and help them develop a plan to move forward on their path to housing. So you're right, everybody's an individual, everybody has individual circumstances, and um, you just need some individual care to get through that process. Um, part of the problem with people staying down in the park uh, you know, and out of reach of staff. We do have outreach workers going down there, and there's other staff that help out. But the numbers are so high that there's no way that, you know, we can do planning with everybody. Um, sometimes people aren't in the state of mind to go through all of that when they're just figuring out how to survive every day. Um, living on the street is not easy. Um, and so it takes a lot out of, of a person. Um, and you know, we just, we need people to come in, get shelter, get the care that they need, and help start folks down a path. Um, and that's that's probably our priority need right now. Yeah, obviously the, the easiest way to, to, to talk about this is the, the way to fight, to end homelessness is to give everybody a house. Um, you mentioned the park. I, let's, I want to talk about what the county has planned, because there's two kind of plans going on at the same time. But you mentioned the park, Kuska Park. To me, okay, just to me, if we if we get if we tell everybody, okay, you can go to Huska Park. There's going to be water, electricity. There's going to be some services there. There's going to be resources there for you, and everyone can kind of gather there for the spring and summer. To me, that sounds like not the worst plan. Rather than everybody spread out, 
Maybe some people are living in Hickson. Maybe some people are living, uh, like you said, like in tent cities elsewhere. Um, is do you do you like the the idea of co- congregating everybody into Huska Park? It sounds like you don't. Um, I think uh, encampments, unless they're really run um, pretty strictly and um, there's certain rules enforced, they're not a safe place for people to be. I think Huska is unhygienic. Um, we've had people experiencing assault and um, there's been some drug overdoses and things like that. So there's really not the appropriate level of management down there to really make that an effective spring and summer spot. Nonetheless, I mean, it's not safe. We've had some major storms during the summer. Tents get flooded. Um, you know, people, it's it's just not good. So, um, and again, people are removed from the services that they really need. Um, many people are sleep deprived. So even if you have somebody down there to meet with them, they're not always willing to meet with folks. Um, there's a variety of reasons why that setting is not ideal. Um, what's the al- what's the alternative? Uh, shelter and housing. Okay. Um, is that is that more of but but when they're all Huska is that is you're just providing them an outlet to kind of bypass the ability to go to shelter and housing? Well, yeah, I mean, you when you throw a bunch of people into a campground who have any variety of some challenges that they're trying to live with, and you put them all together in a place, inevitably, I mean, it's going to be kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, I think it's kind of... Um, you know, an out-of-sight, out-of-mind type of thing. You know, there folks, if they go down to Huska, aren't using other city parks where we've, in past years, had complaints about people hanging out. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I just, it, it's not an ideal way to provide services for people. I mean, it's inhumane on some level. So I, I just think, you know, we have to do a better job of this as a community. And, um, you know, I, I think for people who say it's okay that I would invite them to stay a few nights down there and see what they think about that because it's not ideal by any stretch of the means. And now we have temperatures dipping down into the 40s. People are cold. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have had situations in this community in the past where people have frozen to death. We don't want that to happen to folks. These are our neighbors. They're our community members. People deserve, you know, treatment that's humane and um, where they can get their needs met. So um, I just I hope we can get everybody into shelter this winter. We've been working with people since September on diversion plans, helping people figure out if there's friends or family they can go to. Um, we've been, you know, we even helped some people with like a bus ticket so they could travel somewhere. So we're trying to get people to move on into situations that are going to keep them safe over the winter months. Um, when November 1st rolls around, I don't know what we're going to have for shelter space. We have two shelters locally that, um, combined, I think have about 80 beds and, um, if the numbers are still high, then that means somebody's going to be out of luck. 
for shelter. Um, we do have a winter sheltering project um, coming to fruition in November for families. So we have a collaborative effort to um, get families into motels using the WERA program, and then a variety of case management services are going to step in and help those families so that we can free up as much shelter space for singles in our local shelters. So, um, but beyond that, there's nothing new being developed. The Family Sheltering Project is, you know, funding from a variety of sources or agencies that already have funds in place to case manage people. And then Cooley Cap is going to provide WERA vouchers for the motel. Again, that's families only who have case managers in place. So, yeah, when you um, say, and when you say we, are you talking about the county board or like lacrosse county or are you talking about cooley cap or both so if the collaborative effort involves cooley cap independent living resources salvation army new horizons lacrosse area family collaborative the ymca um and the schools and then um will provide case managers and then the wira program which is the wisconsin emergency rental assistance program that Cooley Cap has been running for about close to two years now. Um, we'll pay for the motel vouchers. And then some people have utilized all their WERA funding. So the county recently passed in a resolution last week $168,000 that had been previously allocated per, for prevention funding. And we just are going to repurpose that for um, funding for families um, for vouchers if they've used all their wear of um, allocation, and then to help with some startup costs for housing. So first, you know, security deposit, first month's rent once we get somebody situated. So yeah. the county is um, a player in this, and county staff are involved in in the um, in carrying out this uh, family sheltering project. So. Um, and we're happy to be a part of it. The county has also set aside funding from our ARPA funds to develop bridge housing for singles. Yeah, bridge uh, housing for we'll, we'll get into that. We got to take a break, Kim. Uh, that's Kim Cable. She's on the she's the vice chair of the Lacrosse County Board. She's also the housing and community service director at Cooley Cap. Um, yeah, I want to get into some of the county plans. And when we come back, we got to we got to take a break for news. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line if you want to shoot me a text. I got a couple of here to read for Kim Cable. She is the vice chair of the Lacrosse County Board. She's been on the county board since 2014. She's also the housing and community services director for Cooley Cap. Cooley Cap's one of the entities in Lacrosse that's uh you know, part of Cooley Cap's job is to help the homeless, I guess, but it's mostly well, and that's to help to help low-income people. Uh, I'm doing a terrible job of describing Cooley Cap, Kim. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. I, I got a couple of texts here. I want to read them because I, I I have to vet them during the break. So, And a couple of them are kind of the same. But uh, Ace texted in. And he says, it's naive to think that everyone is everyone that's homeless is staying at Hooska Park. Um, it's naive for the public. The public is naive to think that, he says. Well, I don't think the public thinks everyone that's homeless is staying at Hooska Park. Um, but a majority of the people, right? A majority of the people are at Hooska Park? 
Yeah, I would say a majority. There's certainly other people at par- other parks. You can see folks at Cameron Park, and and then there's people that are kind of sleeping off the beaten path, so to speak. We we have people that are further out in in the county that might be sleeping outdoors in a tent somewhere. So not every single person's at Huska, but there's a high density of people there. All right, and and again, can you just explain this to me? The the plan to congregate most most of the homeless people at Huska Park over the spring and summer, it, it's not a good one because because the because then they're apprehensive about seeking help to get shelter. Is that is that kind of the the best way? You've, you're providing them an outlet to just stay there, regardless of it being unsafe. Because I feel like if most people are at Huska Park, then the all these entities we talk about, the resources in town that are the here to help people in that situation, they know where most of the people are. They could just go there and, and but, but what are people apprehensive then to seek help because they could just camp? Well, I, I don't want to say everybody is, I think it's a hard setting to try and provide services in. Um, okay. Not everybody's, you know, up when people are down there. We have an outreach team that goes down there and a street med team. And we have had community groups bringing meals and so forth. But it's hard to do any real planning with somebody down there. I think it's, you know, um, it's it's not an ideal setting to, to, you know, try and get somebody into a plan for housing. I mean, there's a lot going on. There's no privacy. Yeah. I just don't know. I just don't know what the alternative is if the numbers have grown to what they've grown. Um, and you don't say, hey, without penalty, you could stay at Huska. I guess if there's no alternative, then they seek help through the groups? Well, yeah. Well, ideally, what we want to have people do is come into shelter so that they can start to meet with a case manager and develop a plan um, and and have a safe place to live for the winter at the same time. So, um, yeah, that's ideally what we want to have happen. We want people to come indoors, stay dry and warm, and get the help they need. Right. But staying dry and warm, I mean, staying dry in, in spring, I guess, is, is kind of hard. But staying, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty okay for the spring and summer. I mean, now it's getting hairy, and in a week we won't be able to stay at Husk anymore. Yeah, I think even in the summer, I, I wouldn't say it's dry and warm. I mean, there's areas of the park that flood and people's things have gotten soaked and you know it's it's not ideal in spring and summer when we have a big storm we've had to move people to the the green island ice rink area mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah because it's not safe for people to stay outdoors so no it's not ideal in spring and summer either and when it's extremely hot um yeah. you know that's not a great place to be either so um i had a couple of different people ask me the the question the same way what are what are what's your opinion on why the numbers are so unprecedented why are homelessness why is homelessness increasing in our community and another person asked uh can you ask him what she thinks the reasons are why we're seeing such an increase in unsheltered numbers well i think covid started things rolling in that direction and then we've, as a community, allowed people to just stay in the campground and pick them up in the fall and take them to the motel. They haven't really had, in previous years, you know, if people wanted to 
you know, do some changes in their life, they, they would have to work with somebody to do that. And we have not empowered people to do that. We've kind of taken care of people. We put them on the bus. We take them to the motel. In the springtime, we bring them back down to Huska. And there's no expectation for any outcomes. There's no expectation for any type of, you know, working on a housing plan, none of that. So, yeah, I mean, I think they've gotten high because we haven't expected as much of people as I think we have in the past. And that's unfortunate because people are adults and should be empowered to make decisions about uh, where they want to live and and how they want to live and things like that. So um, I think if you take care of people and they don't have to make any choices, they get used to that on some level. But for the past two years, it's been kind of like that. Um, All right. So you're, so you're saying a little bit of tough love. There's got to be some stipulations. Um, our, I've heard this in the past. A lot of people say this because the numbers you said, well, you told me in the break, we hit about 90 homeless last year. And it's maybe around 140 now, so an increase about 50 people. Are outside groups bringing their homeless here? Because you just talked about uh, getting some people bus tickets to to get out of the cold, to go somewhere warmer, I guess. But um, is that happen? Did that happen to only, Lacrosse? We're sending people only if they have family on the other end that are verifying that they're going to let them stay with them. Okay. So we're not dumping anybody. I have not heard of other communities dumping in our area. I know people have mentioned that, but Cooley Camp operates has operated in the last two years very robust um, motel voucher programs in the three surrounding rural counties of our service area with, for hundreds of people. So I, I don't see that happening. I'm not saying it might not have happened for one or two people, but um, it's not... It's not contributing 50 new people to our community. Okay, because my, in my head I was thinking, like, when the governor comes in and gives a million dollars to one of the groups of state funding, uh, all the media covers it, maybe that word gets out. Oh, look, there's all these resources in the lacrosse area to help the homeless. Oh, also, there's we could stay at a campground. You know, just the idea of it maybe gets out, and then therefore people are flocking to lacrosse. That's, that's not what's happening. Well, I think that happens on some level. I mean, we saw that happening at Tenth City by International Gardens a few years ago. People would roll into town, stop at the shelter, and ask where the free campground was. So you are going to attract some people. There's a social network or whatever, I think, that happens that people tell people to come. Um, and, And, of course, that's the dangerous part of having an encampment. It's kind of one of those things where you build, if you build it, they will come. Okay. But... I don't think I would say ninety percent of the people who are outdoors are people who have been in this community for years. So yeah, um, you know that's just a ballpark guess on my part. Um, but when we look at the numbers, the names are people who have been around for a long time. Um, you know, it's just you know we kind of got into this perfect storm of COVID and social distancing and. You know, what are people going to do? And, and, and La Crosse isn't unlike other communities where, where they've seen homeless numbers rise during COVID. That is a nationwide phenomenon. However, um, our numbers have risen more than 
other parts of the state, I'll say. <laughs> uh, the yeah, you said uh, aside from a couple of counties in big in in big cities in Milwaukee and Ding, the in the Milwaukee Madison area, us in Green Bay are the next biggest. Um, is it is it the worst thing that people come to the lacrosse area if they're homeless because they're still homeless? They're just finding that the lacrosse just has other resources. You know, you you just mentioned all these groups: Catholic Charities, Cooley Cap, Independent Living Resources, uh, on and on. There's like seven or eight of them. Um, they're still homeless whether they're here or not here, right? Well, yeah, but you know, you can only stress the service system so much and expect to get anything out of it. I I do think it creates other types of problems like we. We have a shortage of affordable housing stock here. So even if people do want to move into an apartment, some apartments are out of reach, you know, price-wise. So that's another thing that happened during COVID. Rent prices skyrocketed. Um, You know, so there's a lot of contributing factors to, like I said, it's kind of a perfect storm. You know, we there's several things that have happened during COVID that I think have created some of these changes in the past two years. Um, if if Trempolo County had two or three homeless people there, um, th- and those people migrated to Lacrosse County, are they better off staying in Trempolo County and seeking services? I don't even know if Trempolo County has services. Uh, Trempolo County has a community action program just like us here. Okay. So our sister agency to the north is Western Dairyland, and they provide homeless services as well. Okay, so. And but there obviously the numbers would be far less in in different counties. But they, so you're saying like yeah there is, but they're not overwhelmed over there. Yeah, I I mean, well I think overwhelmed is an individual thing, but I, nobody has the numbers that we're dealing with. Right, but would you say we're overwhelmed here? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, now you're on the lacrosse County board. Also, we mentioned a bunch of times you're, you also work for Cooley cap somebody. And I want to talk about the lacrosse County board's plans here, uh, the short-term plan and the long-term plan. But, uh, I had a texter ask if you're in a position to give funding to Cooley cap from the County board, um, is that a conflict of interest for you? Yes, it would be a conflict of interest, but I declare my conflict and then I abstain from those votes. Okay. Simple enough. Um, all right. So where do you, do you want to, do you want to talk about the long-term plan for the County board or the short-term plan quick? Uh, well, the County board has just a short-term plan or a long-term plan basically for our ARPA funding. Funding was set aside to do, um, design and, and implement bridge housing for singles and bridge housing for families. Um, both projects are, um, in the planning phases, I believe the family bridge housing project is now in an RFP um, stage with um, accepting proposals for that. Um, but we hope to have enough bridge housing for, I think, up to 20 families, maybe more. Um, and then individual bridge housing is also in the project design mode where we're looking at targeting 30 to 40 units of short-term housing for um, folks who are experiencing homelessness. So um, we're sticking, and none of those things happen overnight, obviously. So we are, we're planning, um, you know, taking our time to plan, make sure it's a solid plan, make sure it's sustainable, and then um, implementing the plan to provide for some additional units of housing um, for folks who are experiencing homelessness. Um, is there a timeline for 
any any of these bridge housings to come through fruition? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, so our ARPA funding has to be obligated by, oh gosh, what is it, 20... 2024, it has to be, there has to be a plan by 2024, and it has to be spent by 2026, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's our timeline. Um, I think family housing will happen sooner than the single bridge housing, because we may end up looking at uh, having to build the bridge housing for singles. Okay. And so family housing, we hope to use existing structures. Yeah, that was my next question. Are we, are, are, is the county board or is the county buying up properties or building or, or land or what? Uh, the county board will not buy buildings. I think they'll contract with agencies to do that. Okay. Um, if they build a building, in that case, the and none of this is, um, in has been decided about the singles, but I don't know in that case if the county would maintain, continue to own and maintain the building and possibly hire a management company for the for the managing of the program. But that has yet to be decided. All right, and I know the the short term plan is to spend about one hundred seventy thousand dollars for short term winter housing, and you expect that to be to help about forty to fifty families. And okay. again, that's families only because there's been a lot of confusion out there that it's for everybody. And it is for families so that we can clear out our shelters and make more space for singles. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, last year, our plan was to put people in, in a, a north side motel for winter. We initially spent 700 grand, the city, I should say, this, I believe the city, the city spent 700 grand to, to rent out that hotel for homeless people and then another 200 grand and you said we had about 90 homeless people. So if we spent $900,000 on 90 homeless people to stay in a motel for the winter, what if we just gave them all the $10,000? 90 into 900,000 is pretty easy. It's 10 grand a piece. Everyone gets 10 grand, go on your way. Is that a terrible plan? Um well, I don't know if if you were going to give somebody a, an allotment of funding to use to pay rent with, that would be a great plan, but I don't think Handing over ten thousand dollars is going to get the job done. Okay, so if we got like like you're doing now, it'd be just like vouchers, right? Like some kind of rent voucher. Correct. Um, but the, the, that money doesn't go as as far as it used to. That that money doesn't go as far as it used to four years ago or three years ago. I say before COVID. Oh no, definitely. I mean, you know, we had apartments that we were using for some of our programs that were about between five and six hundred dollars, and now they're seven hundred and fifty. So. And that's for a one bedroom. It's just, and it's not a, they're not ex- extravagant apartments by any stretch of the means. But, you know, when people live on a fixed income, they might be living on Social Security benefits of eight or $900, $750 for rent is out of reach. All right. Uh, well, two things. One, one thing, what happens, Kim, in a week when the Huska Park plan ends? The campground at Huska Park ends, you know, October 31st, November 1st. Maybe it happens over the weekend. Do you know what's going to happen here? I know you're not affiliated with the city at all, but Cooley Cat maybe has an idea. Well, I mean, there's been planning meetings where we have staff at these meetings, and I think the plan is to move as many people into shelter as possible. Um, I'm not sure we'll meet that goal because I think some people won't want to come in. And the other part of that is there's not room for everybody right now. So um, unless something happens where 
I think one of the shelters had some space that they could expand into, but they would require additional funding in order to, in order to staff the additional space and stuff. And, and I don't know that that's been uh, provided or talked about. So um, right now I think the plan is to move people into existing shelter. And if the shelters are full, then my understanding is that the mayor will open up other buildings within the city, like the Northside Police Scene Station and the Southside Neighborhood Center or something like that. So, does the, um, does the county have the ability to do anything like that? No, we don't have any buildings like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The county is working on their plans for housing. We're releasing these additional funds for family sheltering. So um, I think that's the part of the winter sheltering plan that the county is participating in is the family end of things. And, um, you know, we've been doing an awful lot over the years with prevention and so forth. So I know people say, what's the county doing? Well, the county has done a lot. They they did the winter sheltering the, the year before the city paid for it. And, and we've provided motel vouchers for people who are homeless and testing positive for COVID. And we've provided staffing and shelters when they were short-staffed during COVID. So we've done a lot as a county. I don't think it always gets as noticed. Um, But we're committed to being a part of the solution, and um, we're moving forward with some plans to do just that. All right. And then real quick, I got like 30 seconds, but you said during a, a, a meeting just last week, I believe that people are going to freeze to death if we don't do something. Um, are, you're, you're, you're pretty worried about that, right? Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely worried about that. I, I think if people are allowed to stay outside that the, there's a high possibility that people are going to freeze to death um, or have health issues related to exposure like frostbite and things like that. Okay. That's Kim Cable. She's on the La Crosse County Board. She's the vice chair there, and she's also the Housing and Community Service Director at Cooley Cap. Thanks a lot, Kim. Thanks, Rick. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for listening.